What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Real Value Exchange. I'm your host, Joe Lemon, and I'm super pumped to have you just listening. You know, I really appreciated all the buzz that we're recently getting. I'm getting a lot more growth on the podcast and getting more DMs and people just giving me shout outs. So I really appreciate all the, all the love and attention there. I know it's uh, <laughs> there's tons of things to listen to and tons of things to do with your time. So I thank you for taking a moment to spend it with me in this journey. And with that said, I want to dive right into it. I want to get you guys the most value. Um, so we have an action-packed uh, interview sit-down I had with Keith Cronin. He's the owner of Sports and Healthcare Solutions. A lot of great stories were actually, short, <laughs> were actually shared throughout this episode, and uh, I think you guys will really appreciate it. Plus, I'm sponsoring it myself on this episode, so check it out. Uh, check out my free job board at salesculture.co. I made it for people that are looking for independent sales reps. I think it's a great way to go about just meeting new people and uh, you don't have to pay anything to post a job. And if you do, let me know. Uh, shoot me a direct message at Twitter or Instagram, and I will be sure to help push that. So with that said, I am out and enjoy this episode with Keith Cronin from Sports and Healthcare Solutions. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Seriously. So let's just kind of start with you, man. Let's let's dive into your life. Keith, I'm in Denver, but you're not from Denver. I'm not from Denver. Where are you from originally? I'm from a lot of places. <laughs> Can we talk about so, two, two or three of them? Yeah, so I've... Uh, <laughs> Which ones have left the impact on you? <laughs> so I was born in Rhode Island, uh, but I've also uh, lived child in Texas, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, went to school in Nashville, lived in Knoxville, went back to St. Louis, and now I live in Denver. And What's your little... favorite city? I mean, that's, that's a couple places you've been That's a couple places. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to be Denver, just to be honest. Denver's good. I've lived half my life in St. Louis, but I'd say Denver is just awesome. Okay. Uh, so, yes, if, if, I had, if I had a pick, uh, I, I hope not to move again. I'll, I'll be happy to stay here. Uh, but it, there's a little, little study abroad stuff in Australia, too, so I do like seeing, seeing the world. But I'm just happy right here. That's nice. Super cool, man. Yeah. And, 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 you know... Um, you're a family guy, which is which is cool because that because you have a business, but you, I feel like you structure your business around your family more than the business around and make your family work around your business. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say at start, like any start a business, no, you, you you get too focused and you get too inbound, like ingrained in it, uh, and you get obsessed with it because you think if I do this, then it's my way out, right? Or I get to <laughs> right. do my own thing. Uh, it took me a little while to find balance. I can admit that. And so anyone who owns, starts their own business, got to understand if your family's not there at the end of the day, it's just not worth it. So There's true. no amount of money or anything that uh, would justify it. So uh, I have gotten better at it. Do I say I'm great? No, but I've gotten a lot better. And I have two little daughters and an absolutely wonderful wife. And um, I do everything I can to make sure I spend the time with them because otherwise it's just, again, it's just not worth it. That's so cool, man. And And you know what? It's so true, the fact that if your family's out of whack or if the main things that are important to you, whatever that is for you, if those start tipping the scales too far in one direction or the other, then um, it's difficult to really manage your business and difficult to really see yourself trying to scale something or grow something to be something large if, if you go home and, and you hate what you are around. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll just <laughs> say with, this. Yeah. Uh, for, for anyone out there who thinks that if you just work 24-7, you'll be successful, um, if all that other stuff goes to pot, mm -hmm. so will your business. So your sales, because you're going to lose focus because the, the things that made you who you are and make you grounded and uh, successful are a lot of times the people that are around you. And if you uh, alienate them, 
uh, and I've been just as guilty as this. I have absolutely have, and I can admit to it. Uh, if you do that and you don't put them first, you will fail. You may end up making a lot of money, but in life you will fail. Yeah. So it's really important that you even whatever you do, whatever you, it's important you have passion for it, uh, but to keep balance. Uh, and those are things I've learned the hard way, uh, but fortunately uh, I've come out okay, and uh, <laughs> now I get to enjoy. Uh, the benefits of all those worlds. Well, I mean, I totally want to hear about some of those war wounds as well, man, and some of those scars. But you're a physical therapist by trade. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what you went to school for. You got your doctorate in it, right? Uh, I did. Yeah. So what, what <laughs> I, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, so it's not where you start, it's where you finish, right? Well, I don't know where I'm finishing yet, but where I where I started, taking a little bit of a pivot, I okay. call it. Uh, but yes, uh, I am a physical therapist. My background sports rehab, uh, did strength and conditioning, Got board certified in orthopedics. Yeah. Uh, had a chance to work with uh, you know college professional athletes. Uh, ran uh, physical therapy clinics. Started uh, started a half marathon. Helped start the half marathon in St. Louis, wow. which is called the Mo Cowbell Half Marathon. So go because it's awesome. They ring a lot of cowbells. And uh, <laughs> it's, can imagine that. Yeah, it's 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 just cool. So I've got a chance to do all those things. And then somewhere along the way, I was just like, you know what? Uh, I want to do it a little different, and uh, it's from some of those experiences of trying to do things on my own that I learned along the way what uh, I inevitably am doing now, which is, is kind of fun um, for, for me. I wouldn't say it's going to be something for everybody, mm-hmm. uh, but it's certainly something that I enjoy, and it's still in the field that I got a doctorate, and you know that was the whole idea is you do help people, uh, so I didn't jettison that completely i just now either go train the trainers or find better ways to get great uh products and services to the people who are using them well you know what i mean that was one of the reasons when, once we first were looking at meeting up was why i was really excited about meeting because i'm like okay i'm gonna have a chance to pick the brains of my customers and kind of he understands what i'm up to fully and and you know how it is to be on both sides of the table yeah. basically so let me kind of back up a little bit were you an athlete growing up or yeah you, yeah what I was played, your sport? uh i played baseball Okay. And uh, cross country. Yeah. So I didn't like getting hit by anybody. Uh, I'm not that big. Uh, I don't mind like running a bunch and hurting myself, but I'm just not a fan of someone slamming into me because, you know, I cry uh, a lot. And I just don't like If that. it's self, you know, if it's kind of like self. Yeah. If it's self done, then I can just wake up the and pain. Go, that's that's my in. fault. Okay. But then if someone else does, they're like, that big bully hit me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, play, I, ran, and I, I, I was always a constant. Uh, active athlete. It didn't matter whether you go play ultimate frisbee or you uh, you go play flag football or you every everything that I could possibly do uh, active. I was always up for it, you know? and uh, and that's probably what got me into doing what I do now is because I was always hurt. Yeah. Ah, okay, there we go. <laughs> so I got into physical therapy. I was looking for the bridge there. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. that's you know you get hurt so many times and you can only Google your way out of so many things. And then eventually, I just like you know what was it Google back then? It, I mean, not as much Google, <laughs> not, okay. not okay. as much. Okay. Uh, I'm only 36 now, but <laughs> yeah. uh, there was much less Google. Sure. And yeah, I, I found along the way the reason I got into what I was doing is because I found there's a lot of misinformation. Yeah. And what I found was like I started to learn, and that's what drew me to physical therapy because I was like, well, how much impact can you have on someone just by changing the way they move their body. And I found huge benefits. And then mm-hmm. once I got there, oh my gosh, I found how many things were told to me wrong. Or the things that I was doing was not only not productive, but they were actually increasing my chances and opportunity to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just kind of floored me. So then I kind of made it my goal from a physical therapy standpoint. I'm like, 
what, what can I do to head this off? You know, there's, there's going to be thousands, tens of thousands, millions of me's going around there who get hurt all the time. And right. what can you do to keep them active, you know, happy and healthy? Well, there's a lot and it doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot to do. Sometimes it's just the right information and nudge in the right direction. And you have massive changes. So that's what's really cool. Uh, why I got into doing physical therapy in the first place. And so you were also writing a lot once you first got started. Is that right? Or Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I started, uh, so my, my undergrad, my, I went to school to be uh, for physical therapy and English. Oh, there we go. That's a nice yeah. combo. Okay. Because I'd run, uh, you know, done well in writing contests in high school. Okay. Uh, once I got into doing physical therapy, though, I found out uh, there was not room for anything else because it just ate up all the hours. <laughs> of course. Uh, consequently, though, I did, my wife was a, got her bachelor's in English. Uh, but she's like the real deal understanding English literature and writing and editing and context and nice. verbiage. I was like this just quasi. So, you know, I, I, I married into the big leagues there. There you go. And she also does sales. Up. So, so she, you know, we, we have two salespeople running around. Ah, okay. But that's, but that's why, you know, from the English side, that's why I wrote a lot. Hmm. It was because I'd already had experience with it. And it was... So I just, you know, I was told, hey, if you want to get your name out there, you just got to get content. I was like, okay, so I can write. Uh, I have things to say. Let me get it out there. So, Well, you know what? Just kind of staying like right inside that same vein, do you feel like that's still the actual way today? I mean, because there's a lot of content out there. I mean, there's still a lot of misinformation, I'm sure. But um, are, are, do you believe as an up-and-coming physical therapist that you would recommend that they start, you know, blogging and vlogging and or, or doing whatever they're medium is to really try Absolutely. to get themselves out there. I think they should do every single clinician coming out. And I don't care if you work in physical therapy, chiropractic, I, and honestly, I don't care if you're MD, mm-hmm. podiatrist, even, even certain specialties in nursing. I, it doesn't matter. If you interface with the public mm-hmm. and they come see you based upon your skill set, your knowledge, and your ability to interact and understand and engage with someone, you need to get out there and get your information out there. I, I did it before through articles for momsteam.com. I mean, mm-hmm. that that was just a, a small avenue where I start to develop my own voice. And when you do that, and when you get out there and talk about things, and you get out in front of videos, it forces you to craft who you are. Yeah, And yeah. it forces you to recognize, this is who I am, this is what I stand by, because I'm willing to stick it out on the internet. This is what I believe, and here's why I believe it, and how I got to this conclusion. That has power. And when you have patients, or you have customers coming in, they're going to respond to someone who's, who you know, sticks a flag in the ground and says, this is what I believe in. Because if it's just you're going to agree with whatever someone's saying, that's that makes you wishy-washy, and that there's no, you know, there's no confidence in that. And then all you're going to do is placate to what anyone else says. You know what? One of the easiest things just to do in sales, just because you brought it up, is just to listen to your customer. They're going to tell you what they want at some point if you're listening, and then you just build it for them, right? <laughs> I mean, if you just want to just kind of play right into easy easy way of doing business and not have a spine and have a soul, <laughs> you well, know, no, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, but you're absolutely correct. Like when we first, first yeah. met, the first thing I want to know is about the person. Yeah. What's your background? Yeah. Why are you here? What, what makes you do what you do? And most importantly, why? Yeah. Because if you don't know the why, you have to know the why. hundred percent. And then you can get to your how, and then you can get to your what. Your what is the solution that potentially you are providing. Mm-hmm. If you listen to them and your solution and what you have does not meet what they need, then you're going to try to force a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. And inevitably, you're, you're not going to look good because 
they're going to feel like, okay, this person is forcing it on me. But if you can get to the pain points and you can get to the things that they may not know they have issues with and get it out in the open, then they realize, huh, what are you presenting to me? What is this service or product that I potentially would be interested in? Does it meet my needs? Because if you're in sales, inevitably the needs that you have is this is my job. I'm out there to sell. I'm out here to make money, just like anyone else selling a product or service. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much anyone in life. But the question is, are you finding the right customer? Are you finding the right person to connect with? Bingo. And that's, that's where it's really important to understand who you're talking with and get to know them. Just uh, Not even just a superficial level, but you know, why do you do what you do? Because then you're going to find that if you have what you have meets theirs, and then you can start to work on that, uh, th- that sales pitch. Because at that point, it's really not a pitch. You're just uncovering a, a solution that they know they need, and now they know where to look for it. 100%, man. I mean, you know, um, listening is something that's highly, uh, it's over-marketed, but not really executed that well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of us talk about it. We all, we all say, yeah, we got to listen. And we, you know, march out and we go to our meetings and we don't listen a lot of times, right? You know? Well, I, that's why I, I kind of yeah. joke. I joke always that uh, those who work in rehab, and, and I'll, I'll speak to my own physical therapist, they make great sales salesmen. They don't know it. Because... Hmm. They have, in many cases, been ushered off and t- allowed to talk for 10 seconds and then get cut off and then get ushered over here into medical system, ushered another place, and then all of a sudden they end up in a quality rehab setting. And they get to sit there and talk. And I would commonly let people talk for two or three minutes. Just let them go. Because I know what they're here for. I can look at a script. Right. I can go poke on body parts, and I can find where a problem is. That's easy. That's, there's no selling necessary there. The true part is I need to get them to believe what their problem is and understand it. And then when I offer a solution that they are going to stick to it and they're going to go, yes, I'm going to follow through with it. But the only way you can do that is you have to listen and you have to connect. We're so busy trying to tell people or show them that we're so smart and so intelligent and that we have the right answer. It's not about having the right answer. It's about having the right solution for the person in front of you. Yeah. Because sometimes it's not always the right. It's not textbook. But you have to curtail it to somebody. Like in a sales situation, you sometimes have to curtail it. You have to customize it for them. It doesn't have to be a ton, but you have to do something. And you do that by listening. And if you don't start off with that, then inevitably all you're doing is some, you're just coming in, the, you're just preaching to the person of why you're right and why they need to do this. It's more important to know, do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're in pain? Do you know why you have these problems? And from sales, same deal. Do you know what your problems are? Do you know what your potential opportunities are? Do you know what your next step is? You know, how can I, how can I be of a service for that? How can I be helpful for that? It all starts with the why and listening. 100%, man. I mean, um, now you have a physical therapist background, but you sound like someone who's been doing sales for years. I mean, and, <laughs> and, and like, obviously, um, you have your own sales system for your company and we're going to touch on that. But um, have you studied any type of sales training, any, any type of formal sales? No. Okay. <laughs> so I was very fortunate. Um, you know, I have a, a healthcare degree, so I have physical therapy. But my, I come from a family of my, my dad's a CFO. <laughs> so I learned the, the back end, the business stuff. And that was drilled into me since I was like eight. And, you know, I was that reactive one. It's like, there's no way I'm going anything business. Dad, you're wrong. <laughs> you're an idiot. I'm going to show you. <laughs> Man. Sure. <laughs> he's just quietly smiling and he definitely should because it taught me a lot 
And then from a sales side, I was very fortunate. There's a company called uh, EJ4 out of St. Louis, and one of the founders is Ken Cooper. And he was a family friend. And he got me started teaching me how to sell. So he taught me how to do green screen. He taught me how to do uh, sales systems and how you approach things, how you get to the point faster. And the best way I can explain it was I was did a uh, the Olin Business Cup at Wash U in St. Louis. Okay. And it's... Uh, it's a product innovation contest. And I was in grad school for PT. And I remember my professor just said, hey, you know, if someone could come up with a product for the jaw and it did this, that'd be pretty good. And I think it'd be really sellable. And I just kind of said, yeah, I don't feel like listening anymore. I'm going to do that. So I started <laughs> writing because I, I had that entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm like, ooh, someone told me a problem. I'm going to go fix it. Right. Uh, sometimes we've got to be careful in life when we try to fix problems. They always necessarily a problem. But I, just, I want this idea. I want a challenge. So mm-hmm. I put it all together. I got together with my buddy at Wash U. And we put together a prototype and functional working prototype to do jaw distraction. It was hmm. called uh, Metabyte Jaw Rehabilitation Systems. That's a really long name. That is a really That's long, a long name. Pitch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we put it in there. And uh, so as part of it, you have to do an angel investor pitch to a crowd of like 40 individuals. Wow. And they, they grill you. It's unreal. You sit there like just sweat. Kind of like Shark Tank a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's like Shark Tank, okay. except it's not going to be as you know publicized. And there's going to be a whole bunch of people in the room. Um, and what uh, before going into it though, you have to get your pitch together. And so I'm, a, you know, I'm a PT student, so I really think I'm the smartest person on the planet at this time. And um, I, I was going to do more of the sales stuff. My buddy was more the engineer. You know, he's he had like 12 patents already at that point. So wow. he's out saving the world right now because the dude's awesome. His name's Arash Zabet. Uh, he's just awesome. Uh, anyway, so I, I put it together. You know, I'm I'm all excited. And my dad and the gentleman named Ken Cooper, he's like, well, why don't you do the pitch to us before you go in front of the group? And we're like. Well, of course, I guess I could use a little practice. You know, I'm going to get a suit on. I'll put on my power red tie, which apparently I thought was really important at that time. And uh, so I stood up there, and we did it in the living room, my folks' house. And I gave them the pitch, right? And I went through that thing, and I'm clicking, I'm talking. And we get done. And these are two individuals who have been, you know, Ken has sales books out there, and he's had multiple businesses and been very successful. My dad sat in front of every investor from every country around the planet and wow. listened to everything in the business end. And the two of them just looked at each other, just smiled. And, it, and then in the next like five minutes, my dad ripped apart every bit of financial that I had on there. And I was just left speechless. And he just did it with just a pen and paper. And he just said, well, and asked lots of questions. And I was like, Oh man, I stood back a little bit. And then Ken, he goes, guys, I, I can do this better. And I was like, Really? You can do this better. He goes, yeah. He goes, watch. So he has no background in physical therapy. He right. saw me do a slide deck one time. He went through it with three times the clarity and twice the speed right back to me. Wow. And I sat there. And this is those important moments where you have a choice. You can either be offended and you can take things and go, oh, man, I'm, well, whatever. Or you can do what I'm fortunate, I'm happy I did it. So I looked at it and go, I have a lot to learn, don't I? And they go, yeah, you do. But you're asking the right questions. And so we went into that that contest, and we ended up being one of the winners. Wow. We got $20,000 upstart capital to start this thing. That was 2008. Oh, man, it's a great great year to start. That's a great year to start, everybody. (laughs) So that thing fell flat um, because the, the bottom fell out. Can we just stay right there for a yeah. second? So what was your sales process like in 08 when you're trying to move your units of a jaw distraction? 
what my sales process was, I thought I was hot, just hot stuff. That was the issue. And I'm like, well, I'm smart. I'm going to have a doctorate. Um, I'm part of this creation team. Uh-huh. And I've helped make something cool. Well, I just got to get in front of people and they're going to see how awesome it is. Build it and they will come. Build it and they will come. Um, what a load of crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I, you know, they were trying to tell us this, but it was still, it was still that smugness is on you because like, I'm going to take over the world and I got my butt knocked flat down hmm. and it's the best thing that ever happened because it didn't get knocked down once. It got knocked down again and again and again and again. And what you find is every time you get knocked down, you got a choice. You get back up mm-hmm. and you take what you learned. So the next time they don't knock you down for that thing, you get knocked down for something else. But after a while, anytime anybody hits you, you're not moving. And then you start moving forward. And that's what I learned from that. Uh, you know, I use the expression, I learned a way to not make a light bulb. Okay. And then I learned many more ways not to make a light bulb. But then after a while, you know, eventually you, you hope you, you land it like that Dyson guy and he just rocks it. You know, he just <laughs> he makes the perfect vacuum and he's taking over the world. It is a great vacuum. It is, but it, you, do, you do it by failure. And, yeah. and sometimes people get, uh, even sales or starting a business, they get, can get rocked by failure. If you aren't willing to fail and learn from it, it's not going to be the right place for you. Man, you know, um, me personally, I've learned so much from all the failures and I have a ton of them. Uh, <laughs> of bad business ideas and bad execution yeah. and lots of ways of just running my head into a concrete wall and realizing, oh, I can just take the door. That might be a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> You're a male, too, like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. We generally but, like to go, try to go through a wall. Uh, it, it makes sense. You, you know, but I mean, but obviously one of the things that's, that that I think anybody has to learn is that at some point you have to make it about your client and not about you being this hot stuff who wants to get out there and, and go change the world or bring in these huge checks because you're... Correct. Because you're just the best person out there, right? I mean, you're going to focus on the outcome. Right. So if the outcome is just simply money, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be tough because your outcome is based on how well you work and succeed with those you are, that are surrounding you and the products you work with, the ones that you create, or the sales systems you put together, the services, or pick whatever you want. That's what ends up getting you the outcome. So if you're, the, if you're just focused on that, just to make money or just so I'm, people know who I am. I, you know, I, I fell into that trap just as much. I was more concerned about how, how others perceived what I was saying as, as it being important instead of being relevant, instead of it being sincere and saying this is what I believe in. You don't have to believe me or not. It's fine. This is what I stand by. Right. And the more you do that, then you find those who are combative or they start to go away. Or if they do come back at you, you just go, this is who I am and what I believe in. Uh, and then you find the supporters and then you find people who are genuinely on the same wavelength as you by demonstrating that. And if you don't do that, you're just still going, oh, why am I not selling? Or why am I not being successful? Why, uh, you know, I have this great product or this great thing I'm working with. How is it not getting out there? And you just really need to look inward and first look at you mm-hmm. and say, how is it when you get in front of somebody, how are you presenting yourself? Because inevitably, if it's a product or a service or whatever, that is going to get judged by you. Like You are, at that point, the product. And if you don't see yourself as that, you need to recognize everything that comes out of your mouth, the way you say it, the way you present, and most importantly, the way you listen, is going to reflect on that. And then at the end, if you do that part well, if what you have is a solution, it takes care of itself. And then there's no more 
forcing a sale down somebody. It's not about making the quick commission here. It's about really genuinely finding the right customer. And if you get that right customer, that customer has friends and other customers as well. And we seem to forget that because oftentimes if you do things the best you can, your referrals are going to come from those you've already been working with. It's the best business out there. It's the best business out there. It's absolutely the best. And Mm -hmm. it's the one that's the most repeat. It's the one that's most successful. And most importantly, it's the one that's the most satisfying. Yeah. There's nothing like when someone sends an email or gives a call and makes an introduction. And I'll let you know, I did two today for others. Because, you know what? Others have done it for me. Mm-hmm. So if others open doors for me, so it sit here and say, okay, I'm only focused on me and only focused on me making money and only focused on my business and being successful. That is an I, I, I. Even if you run your own business, there's still we. It's still a we business out there. You have your competitors. You have those you're synergistic with, but understand you have to have friends out there and you have to have a good name. And if you do those things, you just be shocked what happens and what comes to you. And I've earned my business that way. And I work a lot international, where it's even harder because they don't know who to trust. Yeah, it's going to be extremely difficult. It is difficult, but it's but to me, that's the most challenging. Mm-hmm. And that's the ones I push the most. That's what the biggest opportunity is as well, right? I mean, because since it's difficult to kind of know who's who in the market and kind of have that trust, if there's a name that's lingering around from different countries that's being bounced yeah. around, it's totally one that's, of your advantages. That's how I have, I have multiple Australian clients. Because I... Why? Because I just, I, I most importantly, I learned the individuals to work with. Yeah. The culture, you know, how they do business, why they do business, what drives them. By doing that, then I can understand what makes them tick in a positive way. So instead of doing something like to take advantage of it or to, to try to just to make it an advantage of my own, go to them and generally say, hey, I think I have a solution for you. I could potentially be your solution for what you're looking for in the United States. And by doing that, most times it doesn't work out because it's not a great fit. But when it does, it's fantastic. I want to talk about your business now. I mean, because, you know, one of the things that I know I've messed up with in the past and I see others slip up with is the fact that they make, they're building businesses because it's about them. And it has that me, me, me mentality. And you have built this actual business where it seems like, I don't know too much, but from what I understand, is it is a total solution built around the patient's. Yeah. From what I understand, right? So it's going to be the patients and then the innovators. Yeah. So uh, can you talk about? Yeah, that? I can talk about that. So how I kind of came into this was I had multiple times where I'd start something and failed, <laughs> and which is fine, and it's it's necessary because it you you don't get upset or cry at the next thing. You just go, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. Okay, I got hit in the face over here. Okay, I'm going to block that one this time. <laughs> but what I but what I've, I found going through it all was the thing that I love to do was I I get to new products or new... I love going to education events. I love learning new techniques for physical therapy. I loved seeing the next greatest things out there. And what I often found was there was this degradation of information between the innovation and the customer, or the patient in that case. Mm-hmm. And it's because it got cycled through a system that is designed on getting products from A to B. And that's absolutely necessary. And I'll let you know, that's very difficult. Everyone seems to think that stuff just shows up on Amazon and it's just, oh, it just got there and you click it and it ships. <laughs> right. Y'all, this is not easy to get a system working. It's magic they have yeah. over there. Black magic they yeah, have on Amazon. Just, it's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And that part's necessary. But what yeah. always, I guess, bothered me was that the, the message, the intent, the why of whoever created this thing got lost. And so I had an opportunity. Uh, so one of the my clients is for Dynamic Tape. 
And the creator of his name, Ryan Kendrick, he's a physiotherapist. So physical therapist out that way. And in Australia. So he, uh, the, one of the medical reps for one of the distributors that, I, uh, that my company bought from, uh, he said, hey, I want to introduce you to this guy. I think you guys just, you just get along. And I said, no. And I'm like, I don't know why I did this. But anyway, so I, I did. I was like, no. And, and, and I had that mentality at that moment right there, that moment that okay. every clinician has when you hear a sales rep or a new product, your first response is this gut no. And I was like, I don't want to talk to another sales tape person because it's the same. I keep being the same stuff. Uh, another type of kinesiology tape. Great. I've seen all of them. It's not something I like working with. So please, I don't want to meet another one. He goes, no, no, he's different. And this is a guy I trust, by the way. And he's actually a friend. Sure. And I go, no. And so I'm still like <laughs> being still a jerk. I'm still being new. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, I'm busy. I've got other stuff. I've got clinics to manage, blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> Fast forward like five, six months later. I'm on paternity because we just had, uh, my wife just had a second daughter. And uh, I'm at home. And he says, so hey. So you nothing going on at nothing all. Nothing going on. Well, yeah, I have, I have a kid. And I, I'm having fun. <laughs> I, I even painted the front porch because I'm just a busybody. And I wrote a, I wrote a, a patellofemoral course too at the same wow. time. Because, again, busybody. But uh, I was just, I was like, you know what? I am, uh, uh, the, the rep, he came back and he said, look, he's in town again. And I go, you know what? All right, I will meet with him. So, you know, I'm bringing my daughter. And so I had her in the pumpkin seat and I met him up at Starbucks and I'm like, she's asleep and I'm rocking her with my foot underneath it. Cause you know, I'm going to be dad first here and have this conversation second. Because, right. But so I got a chance to meet him and I got to tell you what, I just started listening to the guy and I go, wow, this guy's spot on. I mean, he's just. He's very passionate about it. That's and I cool. see his product and I've seen it and it was because I had it on my shelf. And so I was like, well, I'm listening and he's got some purpose. And he's got a huge why and listening to how he sold his house. He and his oh, wife wow. sold their house and moved to another country to start this business and came within one manufacturer screw up of going bankrupt and how they did it. For This is why they did it and the reasoning behind it. And it was just absolutely amazing. And I got, you know what? Someone is this passionate to go to this effort to make something, I have to give this a shot because this sounds legit. This isn't just something put together in some large corporation where they said, well, we need something for this slot and now go go to Alibaba and find it in China. Okay, they didn't do that. It was, he genuinely said, I, I feel that the tapes out there are missing something. Mm-hmm. And when he told me that, he, I was like, you know what? I felt like there was missing something too. So I said, thank you so much. I listened to him and I was like, uh, so when I go back to clinic, I'll give this a shot. So I did. So I got just some quick training with them. And my, that first day back, this is a couple weeks later, mm-hmm. my first patient was, that, well, one of the first ones coming in was this kid who had Seavers. So Achilles is bothering when he walks. And he was one of those pain-in-the-butt kids. And the one was a boomerang. And they were basically waiting for me to get back from six weeks of paternity just so they could come back to rehab. So wow. I'm now like, okay, well, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to get this kid with this dynamic tape. And I said, I've got some magic tape for you, and it's got tattoos, and tattoos are cool. You know, just try every, to. Every kid loves it. Every kid loves them. So mm-hmm. I did that, and I got it in front of him. I put it on him, and the kid walked. He was limping. He was doing his normal, you know, complaining thing. I can't really blame him. Probably really did hurt. And then all of a sudden, he goes, huh, I feel fine. I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. Come back in a few days. We'll talk about fine. That's fine. So he does. He comes back in three days, and he just goes, yeah, I'm better. I don't need to come to therapy anymore. And I was like. I'll be the judge of that, smarty pants. All right. So let's, you were limping last time I saw you. So I put him through a battery of orthopedic tests. He passed every single one. Wow. And so I sat there. I was like, okay, placebo. 
it luck. Placebo, absolutely. Just, you, know, luck, you know, it's just one. <laughs> yep, you yep. don't make a doctrine by one person here. And Never. so I came, another one came in, the kid at Ajud Slaughter. So that's that thing where the knee hurts. Yep. And when they squat down, they're screaming. So the kid could like squat like 20, 30 degrees, which is pretty limiting. I mean, you that's can't do much. Yeah. And so you then I got the chair with that, right? Yeah, you, can't, you can't even get down to a chair. Yeah. And so I, I did it again. I did the taping and immediately went down from 20, 30 degrees. It was more like 50 to 70 degrees. And I was like, the heck is going on here? I mean, this is instantaneous. And then it dawned on me, go, that's what that guy was talking about. He said, we're focusing too much on just pain, which pain is important, but we need to address the load going through the body. Hmm. Seavers and Ashka Slaughters are both overloading conditions to body parts. So that means there's too much stress going through the tissue, particularly while they're growing. If you reduce the workload through them by putting something external that absorbs the force, you reduce the workload internally. How this message never got to me before was what intrigued me. I understand it. Right. I, I'm like, I'm an intelligent individual. I went to school. How is it through a sales process? How did that, that genuine feeling never reach me? Because I went back to that shelf and dusted off a box of tape. And then it completely changed the way I thought. I went, wait a minute, how many other things am I dismissing? Because I'm not getting the right information from the right person or the right information from the innovator creator. And then I went out and started actively looking for that. And then I started doing a little bit more talking and working with the creator. We found out we both had a problem that we need to solve with. I wanted to move on to something else and he needed someone to help run the United States. So we both took a risk. And at first it was tough because I, I came out there. I'm like, I was going to work with all the distributors, right? Because that's what I was hired to do. He already had distributors. So that A to B thing I talked about, right. well, I didn't need to know that because someone else has already got that down, right? Somebody has it. And this yeah. is the most important thing in sales and business. Just remember, if you don't understand all the pieces to the puzzle, you're not going to know most importantly where the border starts. So you got to build the border first. And right. I didn't. It's true. Because I just relied on you. I said, hey, these, these other people know what they're doing. I'm going to go out because I found that thing. Remember? They... The, the education part, that message. I was like, I'm going to hone in on that and I'm going to get out there and that's what I'm going to sell. And I got, I quit my job and that's a big deal. You that's know? a big deal. It's a big deal because you know, that's my baby on the way? No, yeah. no, we are two. No, we are two. Okay. Done skis. Okay. My wife has a great job. But it's still a risk because you're like you don't go you lose you go from benefits and you, sure you want your vacation comfortable. time comfortable you know yeah. when checks are showing you, up you could plan ahead yep and then all of a sudden you're getting <laughs> paid with you know wire transfers from another country okay right. this this is scary <laughs> yeah. but it, I trusted the person yeah remember that part I, I trusted the person I didn't just find some commissionable thing I could find online which you see all the time I see a lot of that going on it's it was the person I said you know what I looked that guy in the eyes I go. That's someone I can trust. So I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with my gut here. And so when I went ahead and did that, and I got into it, and within three months, I found out, oh, this is going to fail. Because I, I, I no longer was just looking at myself, I'm running a business, right? Well, I'm only going to do this part. Very clear. If, you do, if you're really an independent sales rep, or even if you work with a company, or you own your own business, this is exceptionally important. Everything is your problem. It might not be your fault, but now it's your problem. So true. That's so true. I mean, it's so easy to kind of pass blame. Yeah. But after you pass the blame, you still got to deal with you it. You still got to deal with it. So <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no sense yeah. in passing yeah. blame. You're either going to, uh, you don't blame, yeah. you hold accountable. Mm. I don't go out there and blame people for the mistakes. I'm going to hold you accountable though. And just as I should be as well. 
I shouldn't be sat there and chastise. You know, you're not chastising a child. It's an adult. Mm -hmm. But you do hold people accountable. And so you hold companies accountable. And you hold those you work with accountable. And those who succeed, you're also now accountable to reward them and provide them with more opportunity or more support. And those who don't, you need to hold their 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 foot to the fire mm -hmm. because they said they're going to do this, this, and this. And if they don't, that affects you. Yep. Their business keeps going. So particularly if you are a product and you work with lots of distrib distributors out there, and by the way, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. They're, they're actually essential. They have means to get into areas that you have zero access to. But understand if they don't do things like they don't pay on time or they lose inventory or they will make promises to say they're going to do X, Y, Z, and they don't, it's a bad reflection. Remember, if you they, if your product doesn't succeed with them, their business continues. Yeah, just fine. Yeah. If yours fails, you're <laughs> out. You're screwed. So instead of looking at them as the answer, you need to look at yourself as a solution, and then you look at them as an accentuator, or they give you avenues to things that you may not have access to. And so what I found was, this thing was going to fail unless I figured out how to become an international importer. And I always remember back if, if, if you know, anyone in the audience is old enough, Seinfeld, you know, they <laughs> yeah, always talked well, about, yeah, it's uh, classic, you know, man. it's classic, right? Yeah, so yeah. George is going to be an importer, <laughs> exporter. You know, yeah. he's kind of focusing more on the importing, <laughs> but he does a little exporting. Right. So even my family always joke like, oh, you're an importer, exporter now. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, well, this isn't hard. I mean, yeah. other people do this. I'll just figure it out. It was not that easy, okay. and I made lots of mistakes that cost a lot of money. Custom clearance, might have a couple fees here yes, and there. FDA, been, uh, shipping, warehousing, lost merchandise. It just seems so easy because like, I go on Amazon and type things in. It shows up at my house. It must be so simple. Boom. But what it did is it really gave me appreciation, more importantly, mm -hmm. get back to those that distributor. I got, actually at that point had more respect because this is actually quite difficult. I have one product. They have like 10000 20000 30000 mm -hmm. This is This is tough. But at the same time, I also know they have systems built in to address these things. And I also know they have massive staffs, and I'm one person. Right. So I'm one person. I can focus on this one thing. So I finally worked it out, right? And it took me like five months. I mean, just embarrassingly long time. But between the time I started to getting the products out for sale. And by doing that, what the important part was, and this hope was a lesson to anyone out there if you're national or international, is if you don't have the ability to control and sell to anyone in the U.S. as the creator mm -hmm. or the direct, you know, importer, manufacturer, you've lost control of your product. You've lost control of your service because now you're relying on the discretion of others to do your business. No one's going to be more passionate about what you do than who yeah. you are, right? You're yeah. the most passionate. Yeah. And if you allow that, then you're going, it's going to drop to whatever their interest level is. But if you're able to do it as well, now you have the ability to hold everyone accountable. And I think that was the key. What I learned was it wasn't about trying to undercut or go around people's backs. I never do that. I, I never do that because it just leaves your name as mud. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's more about accountability. And if you can do that, and then you can create a level playing field. And so you can go out and say, here's the deal. Everyone has the same access if you have a market that we're looking for to this product. And based on this, it doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what your other sales or how fancy you think you are. Here's the deal. <laughs> Everyone gets the same pricing based on volume. If you do more volume, you get better pricing. Right? Just very simple. Yeah. And some of them get offended because they're like, well, but we're a large organization. We've been around longer. You know, We have more sales reps out there. And I said, great. That'll be more of a chance for you to make money. But I'm going to give everyone a shot. 
Now, if they didn't meet the criteria, they don't have a market we're looking for. It's overlap. You don't want like 20 Amazon sellers. You only need a couple. But what I'm really saying is if you honestly break in there and you understand it and you understand, I know what my markets are and I need to find the people who have access to those customers and you work with them, level it. Absolutely level the playing field. You know what? So can we just dive in your whole market strategy right now? Like, sure. How do you guys go to market? Are you guys obviously using reps, but you also kind of train them through your own Personal sales yeah. training, it sounds like. You have, you have your own... So, uh, the, the way... It always depends on the product. So, if you do something, for example, that's smaller sales, we'll call it clinical sales, or things that are... A disposable gonna, good type Disposable of. good type of thing. Sure. you got to recognize you're, n- you're not going to have sales reps in for this. You're just not likely, because there's probably not going to be enough margin in it for it. But what you do need to realize is, particularly in my case, what I learned in my field was... You have to get clinicians on board. You need to get them trained. You need to get them education. So education was a huge focus because if they don't know how to use your product, why the heck are they going to buy it? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they think it's the same thing as something else out there, then they're just going to stick with their current solution. Which is really difficult just trying to cut through the actual noise oh, right now. Oh, gosh. Because there's, there's tons of people claiming to be the best of, best of class, right? <laughs> yeah, it's best of, yeah. And then you, you, <laughs> the, 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 having to retrain someone on something they think they already know, I learned along the way is an exceptionally hard sale. I'll, just, I'll be absolutely honest. But it's also the one that's most rewarding because anytime I get them to convert, they didn't go back. Right. Because I've, again, offered a better solution. So, but when you're doing larger equipment, sometimes you're going to want direct sales force because you're going to want someone to come out and talk and have, because someone's going to make a larger purchase. They're going to want something more customized. They're going to want more of a relationship and they're going to want someone to handle problems. You know, so you're, you're talking in the, you know, five, six thousand dollars, twenty, thirty thousand dollars range. Yeah, you need people out there doing that. Mm-hmm. And if you think, for all those out there who think if they have something in that category, and I've talked with my other <laughs> consulting buddies about this, and they laugh when these companies do poor marketing, right, into just saying, our system's the best. Yeah. Great. And it costs like 10 grand. And they go, because we built it, they will come. That's right. And you sit back and go, <laughs> no, they won't. No, they won't. You know what's funny about about that a lot of times that people pour a lot of money into marketing up front before they even know why the customers may purchase, like what the real issues and oh, real pain yeah. points are. They have this idea. I'm not sure how it goes all the time, but I have this vision of people sitting in this boardroom and they're fantasizing like, oh, everybody's going to be, everybody's going to love it because of blank, you know? And then the customer sees like, I think it's a great tablecloth, <laughs> you, you, you know? And, and, and it's two totally different views of how they use their... You know, it, yeah. use that service, that product. Yeah. So that's that's partly why I like working with international, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's partly because this problem exists. So, in other countries and cultures, oftentimes if you have something that's really good, you can just go out there and say, "This is better." Talk to someone, put it in front of them, and they will sometimes just buy it. Right. But the U.S. market, we're a lot, it's just different. We're a big giant engine, and it takes a bit more than just saying my product is better. Because there's a lot of others screaming with so much marketing that if you sell, you know, tell someone something enough, they're gonna believe it to some extent. So understanding that, that's how marketing works. So you have to have this nice blend. So I always found that by being able to work with those in other countries, I have what I hope is enough patience and understanding to try to meet them halfway to understand. I want you to see where I'm coming from. I'm not telling you you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not telling you that what you have not done is not impactful or important. What I'm telling you is the way we're going to go about creating a sales system and creating a business structure is need. It needs to be something that addresses the needs of the customer. And so what you have right now 
is oftentimes too much for them or it's not enough for them or it's said in the wrong way. So as a great example for the for dynamic tape, the first thing I did is I went and I changed the way education courses were done. And partly it was because uh, the creator of it, absolute genius. And when he walks into a room and starts talking, minds explode. It's too much information, right? Yeah, Because all yeah, of a sudden they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, wait, I've just learned something new and I didn't know all this stuff. And you, you're telling me maybe I was wrong, but you're being really nice about it. And you have a really <laughs> nice accent, so I like that as well. And But I don't know yeah. what to do. And then they go out and they say, yeah, let's start the lab portion of this with the tape, right? Because it's hands-on. And he starts with the hardest taping that's in there. So they lose confidence immediately, and which is kind of tough because then all of a sudden you're like, well, this kind of stinks because you're, you're learning something new. And then now all of a sudden you're doing the hardest thing and you just lose confidence. So what I did is I changed the approach. Say, okay, the first taping we did was one of the easier ones because I wanted to get them warmed up. So first you clutter their mind and get them thinking about this why part right and then show it to them in a digestible format and then with each one we built and started with digestible things to build confidence because we wanted someone walking out the first day and going you know what that next day in clinic i'm excited to go try this with my patients it, it was just something so simple as that to be able to reformat it and then by doing so we started seeing that the sales were increasing but other before people were leaving going this is too much. I just, I need to go to a different course or take a week off or something like that. And I appreciated it because I said, well, it's not whether you're right or wrong. This is just the message. What can we do to the message? How can we make it more palatable? How can we make it more solution driven? How can we make it more approachable? It was just something like that. That's a great example. Just Man, you, I mean, I, honestly, I, th- I think that's a fantastic example because a lot of times how I view uh, trying to take on products and even like just trying to look at myself and say, okay, what's the best strategy here? And, you know, it's always this twofold type of setup where it's part art and part science. Yeah. And you can break, I mean, honestly, you can break sales down to be pretty mathematical if you want to take that route. Correct. Uh, you can say, all right, make as many phone calls, have many meetings, and, you know, out of my... 10% close, 50% close, whatever you close at, right? You know, I'll be able to have this many God, units. I, love I'll sold. For I, mean, that. <laughs> I mean, so it could be really math-based, but with the tweak of the fact that, you know what, your messaging really tips the scales in your favor or not. I mean, because like you said, you could probably still close some deals if you guys had a super complicated education course. Mm-hmm. I'm sure people still bought. Yeah. But whenever you really honed it in, made it to where it was valuable for them, they understood what they were looking at, what you guys were trying to convey, then then it really took off, it sounds like. Well, there's, there's other thing is important to know. Are you selling a solution to the end user? Or are you selling a solution to the uh, the clinician in that case, which I deal with? Or are you selling it to another business? So by definition, when I, and this is why I appreciate it, when I go in and speak with other clinicians, just understand, I'm talking business to business. I'm not talking business to customer because I'm going in to train the people who are working with the customers. And when, so the more levels there are, so that like I said before, you had that example, I give the innovator gives all this information to non-clinical people as part of a distributor who then right. goes and conveys this to a clinician who then goes and conveys and does this to a, a patient. Right. Do you see a lot of areas where the information oh, could be man. lost? So what I, I felt was like, how do I get this and skip all that? But again, keep the system because product still has to get out. Mm-hmm. And how do you get the message right to them? And how do you also get it more importantly to the end consumer? And we're working on that for this year too. 
Man, it's important. Hands down, I, th- I think being able to transfer the founders or, you know, let's say um, innovators, like, you know, reason for launching that product or service or tweaking on it and then translating that down to the end user, you know, customer, patient, whoever they may be, is a true art form. If you're able to kind of bottle that up and make it digestible for the end users, that's, mm-hmm. that is a real skill right there. I mean, and a lot of times I've met a lot of people who have launched some great products. I'm like, man, that guy was, oh, he was spot on. He knew what he's talking about. He knows his stuff. But the message would totally get lost between how it was translated through the sales team and how we understood it and how we could try to relay it through emails, phone calls, and, you know, presentations, right? I mean, it could be a big gap there. I mean, that's where a lot of, a lot of great, you know, things that I think people need out there get lost. But I think the way I always look at it and why I do my best to have an innovator-focused approach is because in the past I tried and went back and tried to make things and be the innovator, right? Yeah. And it was just something that... So you really understand that. I, so that was, that yeah, was part of it. Right. But it even goes beyond that next part is you don't know what it takes to do it. <laughs> and I, I, and I, maybe that's an oversimplification. Let me try to say this a different way. The amount of blood, sweat, tears, money, time, your soul, the things you sacrifice for something to come to fruition is to most insurmountable. Hmm. And what happens, and, and this is where I get critical appropriately, and I almost use this as a challenge to anyone who is a who works out in sales. Understand when you go out there and you're selling this, this likely from somewhere came from someone taking a piece of themselves and putting it out in the world, and it was not easy. And as I gave the example for dynamic tape, going within a month of going bankrupt, just understand that they just it gets you get comfortable because you know you drive around, you get the commissions, you have a laptop computer, sure, you may have a base, and you. You just go, well, I'm just out selling things. If you just sit back and just try one thing, if one thing only, if you just sit back and say, how did this product get here? What was the what was the means that it came here? Who is the person or people behind it? What man or woman made this? And try to get in their head and understand the passion it took to make this happen. And if you can do that and you can get inside of what really truly inspired them, if you can take that to a customer you're going to find out why they were so successful because watch them sell. Mm-hmm. Watch them the way they present. Um, I remember for my wife's company, even the CEO at the time, and he's since moved on, but at that point he was on paper probably worth over half a billion dollars, but he still got it and made phone calls, wow. cold calls for sales reps. Just understand that that type of relationship and if you can really dig into it, that's just going to make you as a sales, a sales that's going to make you successful because you're going to just a teensy bit feel and see what these individuals did through their eyes. And if you can really appreciate it and you can translate that to that customer or that, in my case, those patients or those, those clinicians, it's empowering because then the message isn't lost. Right. The innovation isn't lost. And then it's impactful. It's not just lapping up on the shore. It's a tsunami of intent and purpose and and solutions that they're going to go, holy cow, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. 
And I would challenge anyone in sales to do that. Uh, even if you work for a huge company, look, go talk to the, if it's software, go talk to the web developers. Okay, go talk to the IT people. Talk to the people who are in the customer service side of things. Talk to the ones who are head managing it. Talk to the, the program developers. If it's just a, a product, find out the ones who are in the warehouse. Find out how these things are put together. Find out all those pieces. And then inevitably, it came down to probably a few people, if not one person. And if you can, get in front of that person and say, why did you do this? What, what got you up every day to put this together? And if you can do that, and you can just see and hear a story and write it down and feel it, you're going to take that energy and excitement because it is transferable. And I can't highlight enough. When I get the innovators of any of my products in front of people, it is like you can see it's electric. It's tangible, isn't it? It's tangible. You yeah. can feel it in the room. And I was like, why are we losing that? Yeah. Why is it going through all these different other channels? Let's take that and let's manufacture it. And let's do this over and over. What do you do to inspire somebody? And that's what I was felt, that's why I love it because these are inspirational people. These they it takes a lot to get to where they got to and they weren't always focused on the outcome. And so they weren't just focused. I'm going to make a ton of money. Right. They were just so into what they were doing in the end. Guess what the outcome was? They're all doing just fine. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I I mean, man. um, Yeah. Very few times. If I'm being honest with you, do I look back and say, man, what was the history of this product or service? And what, what, what was, what was the real intent and like motives to where I can understand what that person sacrificed because it is a huge sacrifice. Just knowing, trying to launch a couple of businesses myself. I mean, your wife's impacted, people around you are impacted. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it's a sacrifice where you're pulling from multiple people, and so everybody kind of has a feel on in there. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's great advice, man. Yeah, I, really good advice. I, I remember when I, I first started doing the distribution thing. I was, uh, and to be clear, I was an idiot. So hang tight. <laughs> Everyone's heard I was an idiot. I would sometimes be up at 2 or 3 a.m. talking with China because I need to communicate with them right now. Now, I learned over the course of time that was ridiculous. But what I was doing is I was trying to get into it and understand it. But this is now take that. Now times that by thousands of times over where people wake up at 3 a.m. and all of a sudden start working and putting stuff together because it hits their head. I've had it happen myself many times. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're called a beautiful mind moment. But the ones who actually take it all the way to the last step, those beautiful mind moments happen every day, all day. They're nonstop. And sometimes they just need a break, you know? And if you can do something to capture just a, a fraction of that and then mold it, ah, it's you, you will see your sales impact positively from the get-go. Spend less time. You're going to do more with less time. Man, there, there's so much that happens in that last mile, as they say. I mean, um, you know, it, I think it's really what separates a lot of people. Whenever, especially, I mean, obviously, when you're trying to innovate and build our products, I mean, just making sure that you bring it to light and it actually works is one. And that's a huge accomplishment. Having all these ideas yep. that pop up, is, 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 that's great. Concepts, models are great. But um, bringing it to light is something totally different, And even in sales, right? I mean, the people that can bring through the actual business is – I mean, those are the people who I think um, they they're doing more than just the math, you know. You know, yeah. Once it comes to sales, there's the art piece, whether it's listening, building relationships, whatever it may be, understanding the person's real needs, concerns, whatever they're really looking for. And sometimes it could be something so simple, and it could be vain, or it could be something that's really deep, where they're really trying to help out a lot of their patients, or you know, um, you know, overall like customer base. So whoever can bring it through the last mile, I want to talk about your last mile for two seconds. We're, we're almost done, but sure. you're on your business here and you have the sales process. You're, you're obviously working with other people and you have to get them to bottle up that 
innovation, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have to pass it along. Um, how's that coming along, man? Is, is, is it working out? It's working out. All right, That's cool, cool, cool. So, so you know, what's what's the next step for you guys now? Because you're bringing on some brand new products as well. Yeah. So the next the next step is uh, I've gotten this one the my first one has mm-hmm. been successful, and then I worked with other small ones. I just consulting gigs, and then I found the ones I was consulting with they started selling more. So it's just beautiful. I was like, wait, all right, so I'm on to something here. Um, so some of the new things that I've got coming are. Uh, just new, new products that have never hit the U.S. And it's a challenge because I just see it. And part of it is clinical. Like one that's coming is for uh, orthotics that I didn't particularly care for the stuff before. But then I found someone who I think made the best mousetrap and really put something awesome together, which I look forward to be September or October before it launches in the U.S. Really and cool. then uh, other things uh, working on are uh, some now trying to get it from the business to consumer. So taking some of these innovative ones and finding ways to actually reach the end consumer with uh, in a simple systems that they can use at home. So it doesn't replace the clinician. Okay, Absolutely, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. I don't replace my own. I like my <laughs> own. Okay? Sure. Uh, there are companies out there that focus on products that do that. I do not. I, I do things that work with. Yeah. And finding things that will provide people with benefit at home. So there's one of uh, the products I have is going to TV here in two or three months. Wow. And another Are you going one, to be on TV pitching? Or no, I will not. No. Okay, I was okay, the guy okay, in the background okay. like coaching them. That was a fun process. There you go. Just like, okay, say this, do this, uh, but move that thing over there. Uh, you know, I'm trying to sound all important, but in reality, I was like, I'm just here to put the tape on and <laughs> yeah. smile. And I know my place. Okay, I know my place. And uh, then good. Uh, also looking to start doing some sales training for um, for those who potentially want to who are in rehab or they're in medical field and they want to get out. And it's not they want to get out because they're super unhappy and they just think the world's going to be grass is greener. There's just some people who just genuinely want to try something different. And I can tell you firmly, if you are a work in rehab, you have all the skill sets of being hardworking, intelligent, sitting through lots of school. You have patience. You listen to people. You have lots of things that would make you great in the world of sales. There's some things you still have to learn, like school, that you, that weren't taught. Okay, you need to know things like features and benefits and sales cycles, and you know, you know understanding follow up and customer Jargon. relations, just yeah. general stuff. But yeah. uh, I'm hoping to look to get that going at the end of this year because it's it's just exciting. Because I was very fortunate. Like in the beginning of the podcast, I told you the resources I had to get to where I was. I was exceptionally fortunate. I'm not going to sit here and say I carved all this out completely on my own. That's BS. Anyone who says they got there completely by themselves. By myself. Yeah, just yeah. by myself. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was very, very blessed. And I, I, I'm I, now getting to a position where maybe I can share some of this stuff. And I'd be elated to because it's made me happier. And it's given me more time with my family. It's given me more time to spend with my wife and kids and to do things I could have never done before. And I... If for those who are out there looking for that, I would love to share that with you. Man, I think that your sales training is going to be um, it's going to be major. I think because people with your background, it's, it's like it's that last mile. Yeah, they have everything else. I feel like they I mean, do. They have the education. They have they have the understanding. They really get the pain points. They they can sit there in the person's chair and say, "Oh yeah, I really know how this feels." Um, you can walk them out in their shoes, and it's just getting it through the door of Whatever product or service or whatever they want to do in healthcare, it's needed, man. So that's for for anyone who works clinically. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'd say: 
for those who go into sales, you usually have probably a two to three month ramp up time where you learn the process yeah. of sales, and that's just perfectly appropriate. That's what that's for everybody. I would I would imagine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. For those who have gone and gotten advanced degrees in healthcare, they've had to sit through the most unparalleled boring <laughs> stuff on the planet, but they did it because they had to. Yeah. And they did it for sometimes six, seven, eight, nine years. All right. That last mile is basically like the last hundred feet here. <laughs> they, they've already got a lot of the pieces. It's just it's just tweaking it. And yeah. it's it's I would agree. It's sending it a different direction because the patience, I must say, the patience it takes to sit in front of someone and have them unload their most crazy stories of how they got hurt or why they're still hurt and how it's related to their boss or a family member and why it won't get better and to be patient and listen to that for year upon year yeah. and then come to them with a calm, reasonable solution based upon things that you found and be able to explain it in a digestible format, that is power. And, it's, and if it can be used in a fantastic way if used appropriately. You know, if you think about how, I mean, we're almost done, but I want to talk about this a little bit longer because I feel like if you think about how we're evolving in sales where it was like, okay, pure math, get on the phone, 100 phone calls or, you know, every yeah. day, whatever you're doing, emails out, 100 email blasts, and just, you know, just beat people into a place where they say unfollow or block this person's number, <laughs> right? Whatever happens yeah. with that. It's now... Um, it's more of an inbound approach where you create good content, try to, you know, find something that's going to speak towards their actual needs, draw them in, you know, and then you have a high level conversation about what the issues are. And for someone who's been in school and been in the actual room treating people, I don't see how that couldn't cross over more. And, and just, you know, being able to ask a couple great questions that they already know that, that, that they already know really, and be able to translate into asking for orders. It doesn't, it doesn't suck. Just got to park your ego. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's that's the it's that's the missing it's, piece. It's yeah. sometimes the missing piece. You you want to get there because you know so much about something. Yeah, and then you stand in front of someone, you just get upset because like, but I'm right. Park the ego. Mm-hmm. That it's not about you being right. Mm-hmm. It's about you conveying information, and in, and in the end, if you have the right solution, it will reveal itself. But your ego will get in the way. So instead, if you focus on the listening part and you focus on the cultivating relationships, yes, you have to make X number of calls. Yes, you have to have X number of contacts. You need to be having this, you know, this many meetings a week. Those things are all important. Do you see it dying out? I don't see it dying out because that's also what keeps people accountable and it keeps them moving. Because some people will fall back on their laurels. They'll make like one big sale and they think, oh, yeah, I've got this together. That's, That's not true either. That could have just been dumb luck. Dumb luck does happen. Dumb luck does happen. But <laughs> yeah. let's look at the top. And in lots of companies, when you look at sales, the top 10% of people are sometimes generating 40, 50, sometimes 60% of all the revenue. Yep. And you have to ask why. And trust me, when you meet those individuals, you'll find out real fast, it's not dumb luck. Mm-hmm. These are individuals who have a system. Mm-hmm. They have plans. They're genuinely good individuals who are easy to communicate with. They develop strong relationships. And by doing that... High integrity as well. Yeah. I mean, integrity needs to be out the roof. Yep. I mean, and you lose that, then, yeah, you're going to make some quick sales. Yep. You're going to lose in the end. You need to, I mean, it needs to be long ball. So if you go into sales and you're thinking it's all short game, mm-hmm. uh, find a short game product, okay, or service. If you, but if you're thinking big and you want to think long term, you have to really think about who am I. If you, if you really drive into that, you can then take that and you can take it into your business or your sales, your entrepreneur adventure, innovation, pick whatever you want. You has to come out. And once it does, other people will gravitate towards it. But if you're just getting something out there for the sake of getting something out there, 
you start to lose passion. And when you lose passion, people see it and feel it because we are still a person-to-person sales. It still exists. People like to talk to people. Yeah. And if we can do that and communicate in an effective manner, that's where you're, you're going to see the most success. Man, that's super cool, man. Keith, I got to say, I've had a blast having this conversation. I'm really looking forward to your new products and the sales training. I think it's going to be something I can pass along to a lot of that's people. Fun. And yeah, I think it's going to be, I mean, and you know, me personally, even, I think sales gets such a bad rap and it's kind of one of the missions I'm on is because good salespeople, they have to do those things. They're not out there. You know, scammers or importer exporters. Importer exporters. Vandalay Industries. Vandalay. And so, you know, it's a lot of those qualities that I think that um, as people really um, grab onto that, they're going to gravitate towards it. And really, it's, it's going to be good for people that are that are interested in this actual pathway. I, I, I think you're right. Sales has gotten a dirty word. And it's <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah. And I want to be exceptionally clear. Everyone, to some extent, is selling something at some point. Mm-hmm. And I'll... It doesn't matter whether you're even just selling yourself to your friends to say, I'm a good friend, or I'm a good spouse, or I'm a good parent. Okay, You are selling every single day. And for my clinician, Brevlin, who really believed that they don't do sales, <laughs> I will put it into one very simple, logical reasoning, is that people come to you every day who don't want to be there. They're going to give you money that they don't want to give you. And then you're going to make them do things they don't want to do tell them things that they don't want to hear and make them go home and do homework, which they really don't want to do. And then they're going to come back. That takes a lot of That's selling. a hell of a sell. That's a hard sell. I don't end with a TV. <laughs> I don't end with a new car. I don't end with an awesome Dyson, which I'm bringing that guy back in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dyson you know, sell though. <laughs> you, you have to sell them on that. Do not kid yourself. And for those who think, oh, I'm not, don't kid yourself. But don't look at it as dirty. We're always selling something, but we can do it in a positive way. It can be a reflection of who you are, what you do. And then most importantly, you sell people solutions to what they need or they want or they desire. You're selling them a solution. You don't need to cram it down their throat. That's so cool, man. So cool. So I have this last question I ask everybody on the show. I live by this motto. It's the triple G motto is what I call it. Okay. And it's growth, grit, and give. If you had to put those in order for yourself, how would you? Growth, grit, and give. Uh, I'd probably put, it's going to be in order of most important. Yep. I'm going to put give. Mm. You have to be willing to work with others and willing to give of yourself. Uh, after that, I'm going to say it's grit. You got to dig it. You got to dig in. Uh, if there's something that you really want to do, you got to understand there are good days. There are bad days. There are horrible days, and then there are days which horrible would be great, okay? <laughs> you look forward to horrible. Like, I remember that bad you day. You <laughs> need to dig it out. You need to have grit. You need to, When you get knocked down, you get up. You can waddle around for a little bit, but you get back up. And then when you're talking about growth, if you do those things, you're going to find you're going to grow. And you don't know which direction it's going to be. And that's, that's the fun part. Yeah. I'm sitting here telling you I went to school for eight years to get a doctorate in physical therapy. And now I'm sitting here doing international product consulting and distribution for international companies. And sales training. And sales training. (laughs) Where the heck did that come from? Well, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, it came from looking inward and realizing that this is is who I am. And then maybe others can look and see, who are you? 
And most, I'll be honest, are going to look and you're going to sit in your situation and go, this is who I am and I'm happy with this. And you know what's the most important? Do that. Have that reflection. Have you go, this isn't a situation of being judged. You're only judging yourself. But for those of you who have internal conflict with it, who aren't sure, dive in a little bit. Get deeper. You know? And then maybe in the end of it, you're going to find that, huh, maybe that's why I do X, Y, Z, why I'm not happy with this. Maybe you need to find that. Because again, we, whether you like it or not, we work. It's a third of our life to some extent. Yeah. And I'm not saying it needs to be your life because I do not live to work. I work to live because the, the things on the outside of those hours are the most important thing. But if you are miserable or you're not successful or you feel like you can get more out of those working hours days and then you bring it home, then you're affecting the parts that make it worth living. So I'd say figure it out and just be honest with yourself. Hmm. And if you can do that, that's the place to start. And a lot of people don't start there because they don't want to look at themselves because it gets ugly. Yeah, it's, ugly. it's okay to be ugly. Okay? You don't have to get pretty. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be ugly. <laughs> Keith, man, this was, this was so cool, man. And, um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I first got into podcasting, and, I, boy, it was so hard to grab the microphone because I sounded so bad. I still don't sound good, but I feel like it's growing. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let it happen to wherever to, to, to wherever it goes, I just say. But let everybody know how to find you. I, I know you're on LinkedIn. If you have a website, that would be great, too. Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, probably the best way for to reach me is through my site. The new one is called biomechanikits.com. So that's www.b-i-o-m-e-c-h-a-n-i-k-i-t-s. So like a kit to improve your biomechanics.com. Uh, and uh, but you can definitely find me on LinkedIn and just reach out, just chat. Uh, I, I talk to people all the time. There's there's no commitment here, okay? <laughs> uh, and I don't want to be like those the salesmen like there's no commitment, no money down. No, seriously, <laughs> just give me your email address. Just and... just <laughs> no. let's just have a talk. If yeah. if you're interested yeah. in some of these things, let's have a talk. And if you have some cool thing that you're working on, I've just sat down and got on the phone for some people for half an hour during the day and said, hey, here's what I'd do. Well, you take take it what you want, and I know there are companies out there that charge thousands and thousands of dollars for consulting like that for just just a day. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, for some of those companies, have I done that? Yeah, and I liked it, but they were asking a heck of a lot more than one phone call. There's nothing wrong with going out and just asking for help, because I said that first part: you got to give. You ain't gonna get anything as well if you don't give anything, and that's what uh, I stand by. So please, please reach out. Uh, be happy to chat and. Uh, Hopefully get you going where you want to go. Well, Keith, man, thank you so much for just for giving your time on this podcast. And everyone, thank you so much for tuning back into the Real Value Exchange, where we explore turning sales from a mere transaction to empowering moments. Until next time. Hey, that's a good one, bro. Dude, I really appreciate your time, man. Seriously.